All right, before I start the show, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MetPro. Last spring, you might remember that I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, about how his company has helped thousands of people understand their bodies better through metabolism tracking. Well, MetPro just launched a brand new tool that lets you see the same science and tailored strategy that their experts use. So you can start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to best. Now, my listeners get up to one month for free when you sign up, so head to metpro.co slash getfitguy to learn more. Welcome to the Get Fit Guy's quick and dirty tips to get moving and shape up. My name is Brock Armstrong and I am the Get Fit Guy over at Quick and Dirty Tips. Now, with the polar vortex in full swing and hopefully coming to the end of its terrifying reign over us, well, you may be sitting at home staring out the window at the cold weather wondering, how the heck am I supposed to keep fit, let alone train for my favorite sport, in these cold and snowy conditions? Well, it may surprise you that scientists have actually suggested that no temperature is too cold when it comes to exercising outdoors. It's true, almost everyone is safe to work out in cold weather. You should probably choose some heat-generating, high-intensity workouts instead of a more chill workout like yoga, but your body will do its darndest to maintain a core temperature of 98.6 degrees no matter what you choose to do, as long as we follow a few necessary precautions. In fact, according to Dr. Castellani, the lead author on a 2012 paper on health and performance challenges during sport training and competition in cold weather, it turns out that even though cold can be thought of as dangerous and often uncomfortable, more people get injured while exercising in the heat than actually exercising in the cold. One of the great things about our human meat sacks is that when we exercise, our bodies generate enough heat to make us feel warmer than it really is outside. And research suggests that no matter what the thermometer says, the body will work hard to maintain a healthy and happy temperature of 98.6 degrees. That work backfires on us just a little bit since it can lead to a higher level of perceived exertion, but I'll get into that later. First, let's talk about what happens when we get cold. Now, when your core or your torso is nice and warm, it allows blood to flow to the extremities. But when your core gets too cold, your body stops sending as much blood to the extremities and it actually hoards it for your vital organs and your brain. So, what is the best way to keep your hands and your feet warm? Well, heat up your core through physical activity. It's not just the core heating up that keeps us safe either. The body has many mechanisms that protect us from the cold. I mean, even that runny nose is helping keep you safe. When you're cold, the inside of your nose actually moistens itself to help humidify that cold and dry air that you're inhaling. The runny nose part comes from the excess fluids that end up dripping out of your nostrils. We've all probably heard a story of someone's cousin's friend who froze their lungs while they were exercising outside. Well... Please don't give any credence to that tale or worry about the icy cold air actually hitting your lungs because it is basically impossible for cold air to damage your lungs. 
Kenneth W. Russell, who's the director of respiratory research and the human physiology laboratory at Marywood University, says that no matter how cold the air is, by the time it reaches your lungs, it is body temperature. And interestingly, a thing called exercise-induced asthma is something that people claim they get from working out in the cold. But that irritation of the respiratory tract is actually caused by dryness, not by cold. The coincidental thing is that cold air also happens to be quite dry, so the same people would likely have the same problem while exercising in equally dry but hot weather. Okay, before I get into the tips part of this quick and dirty topic, I want to emphasize that although cold weather exercise is safe for almost anyone, you may want to be careful if you have certain conditions. Conditions such as asthma, heart problems, or Raynaud's disease. You may require a checkup with your doctor to review any special precautions that you might need to take due to your condition or your medications. So my first tip is dress appropriately. And the rule of thumb is to actually dress in layers. And the first layer should be a synthetic fabric that will wick moisture away from your skin. Something like polyester, which is good for wicking and also has a very low water absorption rate. Or something like nylon, which is also good at wicking and has a low water absorption rate. Now the second layer should provide some insulation or a thing called loft, which we'll talk about later. And that layer should be something like fleece, lined or non-lined, because it has almost no water absorption and a very high loft value. Or maybe something like pile, which has a low absorption rate and is also resistant to rain and wind. Or good old wool, which has low water absorption and is also rain resistant. And your third layer, which is usually a type of shell, should be windproof and waterproof. Some good materials for that is Gore-Tex, which is probably the industry standard for being both waterproof and breathable, or Gore-X-CR, which is really the same as Gore-Tex, but a little bit lighter, or Event, which is also similar to Gore-Tex, or Sil Nylon, which is a mix of silicon and nylon, which is wind and rainproof, but it has a low breathability, so not quite as great. Or finally, DWR, which just stands for Durable Water Resistant Coated Fabrics, which are rainproof and usually windproof as well. Now, here's a pro tip. Avoid anything that is made of cotton. Cotton loses its warming power the instant it gets sweaty or wet. And I've actually had cotton t-shirts get kind of sweaty and then freeze to my skin in the past. And let me tell you, that patch of skin has never been the same. Now, my second tip is that extremities matter. When we exercise and when we get cold, blood flow gets concentrated into your muscles and your core. And that leaves your head, your hands, and your feet to fend for themselves. So if it's really cold, find a thin pair of gloves or glove liners made out of wicking material and wear those under a heavier pair of gloves or if it's really cold, mitts. And here's a pro tip, make sure you put your gloves on before your hands get cold because it's much easier to keep them warm than it is to get them warm. Now your head, well, that's where the thinking happens, so you don't want to damage that. Make sure you wear a toque or a wool hat or a lined helmet or, if it's not too cold outside, a headband to at least cover your ears. If it is super duper cold out, you may want to invest in a balaclava, a neck warmer, or a gaiter. 
my own neoprene balaclava, it gets a lot of use, especially in high wind chill sports like cycling and skiing. And here's another pro tip. Buy your winter workout shoes a half size bigger than usual to allow for those awesome thick thermal socks. And don't bother layering your socks, especially if they're cotton or nylon. Just go and get some appropriate socks if you want to keep your toes intact. And my next tip is that rain and wind are evil. Your body will have an extremely hard time maintaining its temperature if it is wet. Because water actually draws heat away from the body 25 times faster than air does. And that's because of the higher density and the higher heat capacity that water has. We use this to our advantage in the summer months to keep us cool by dumping water on our head, but it works against us in the winter. Similarly, a serious wind chill can also be dangerous. It can quickly make outdoors feel much colder than the thermometer indicates. Interestingly, the wind doesn't change the temperature outside, but it does change the temperature of our skin because the wind actually steals body heat by blowing away any warm air that surrounds us, and that's the loft. Now here's something for you nerds out there. Wind chill is generally measured by meteorologists in watts per square meter, ranging from 1,000 to more than 3,000. But it is then calculated into degrees for ease of use and understanding for us non-sciencey types. Okay, this term loft that I keep using, it actually refers to the distance between your body and the outside air, just like the loft in your house. This space is usually created with layers of clothing. The greater the distance, or loft, the greater the insulating power, and the toastier you will stay. But loft is only effective if the distance it creates remains trapped. If air flows through the loft, warm air is washed away and it will fail to keep you warm. In order to trap the air, outer layers should be wind-resistant or wind-proof. But maintaining some breathability is also important because, well, excess moisture must be allowed to escape. And luckily, there are many newfangled fabrics that achieve wind resistance and breathability. Before I go on, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MetPro. Last spring, I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, all about metabolism. And his company, MetPro, continues to help thousands of people transform their bodies by hacking their metabolism through concierge coaching. Now, I spent a couple of months actually using MetPro a while ago, and it was a really cool experience, I have to say. MetPro is doing some really interesting and innovative work to help you better understand your body so you can get the results you want. And MetPro actually just launched a brand new tool that lets you see the same science and the tailored strategy that their experts are using. And you know what? It's not a food logging tool or a workout app for that matter. The MetPro app actually allows you to start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to using science. And my listeners get up to one month for free when you sign up if you head to metpro.co slash getfitguy to take advantage of this opportunity. That's metpro.co slash getfitguy for up to one month for free. My next tip is be cold at the start. Now, it should be no surprise to any of you fit folks out there that your body warms up once you get moving. So don't be afraid to feel cold when you first start your chilly outdoor workout. 
We had a rule of thumb in my old running group back in Edmonton that you should dress for weather that's 10 degrees warmer than the thermometer is actually telling you. Now, as you can imagine, performing high-intensity activities can lead to excess sweating, especially if you're overdressed, and that will cause your body and your clothes to get wet. And as I said before, water draws heat away from the body 25 times faster than air, so there's a greatly increased risk of hypothermia, or at least discomfort. And speaking of hypothermia, it actually begins when your core temperature falls to 95 degrees. That's when shivering starts, followed by a rise in your blood pressure. If your temperature drops to 85 degrees, well, that's when you lose consciousness. And if it goes lower than that, you could die. So one key trick in avoiding hypothermia is to actually just keep moving. As long as you keep moving, you are not going to die because you generate so much heat. And that's according to Dr. Tim Noakes in his paper called Exercise and the Cold. Frankly, the bigger risk for most of us is a thing called frostbite because it's quite sneaky. The first sign of frostbite is just numbness, then tingling and a burning sensation. The risk of frostbite is less than 5% when the air temperature is above 5 degrees Fahrenheit or minus 15 Celsius, but the risk increases when the wind chill kicks in. With the wind chill below minus 18 Fahrenheit or minus 28 Celsius, frostbite can occur on exposed skin in 30 minutes or less, so make sure to keep that skin covered. And my final tip is eat warming foods. What you eat and how hydrated you are can actually affect your warmth slightly as well. We all know that our bodies create heat by burning calories, but did you know that if you don't have adequate calories available to burn, it can be harder to stay warm? Now, please notice that I said adequate calories. There is no evidence that overfeeding yourself will help you keep warm, but fueling appropriately is a little more important when below freezing temperatures are involved. Now, some spicy foods, well, they can naturally raise your metabolism a little bit and speed up the heat-making process. Things like ginger and capsaicin are good for this. Food that's already warmer than your body temperature, like soup or hot cocoa, won't actively take heat away from your body, so it will, in essence, keep you warmer. Being adequately hydrated is also helpful when you're trying to stay warm. Water is quite good at retaining heat, so it's thought that by keeping your body well hydrated, there will be more moisture in your body to retain the warmth. Now, there is a myth that you have to acclimatize to the cold, similar to the way you do with heat. And it is absolutely true that you can adapt to hot weather, and I actually put this to the test while I was training for an Ironman triathlon in Thailand. Acclimating yourself to hotter temperatures than you are accustomed to can improve performance and make you sweat more efficiently and help you sweat out less salt. It can also actually increase the body's blood volume. Sadly, exercise physiologists don't see similar adaptations to cold weather. The body's main responses to cold, which is simply constricting blood vessels that are near the skin and shunting blood to the body's core and shivering, do not seem to improve by spending more time in the cold. And that's true whether you're a sedentary couch surfer or a hard-charging winter Olympian. Right now, we're not sure if there's any degree of habituation, and that's from Robert Kenfick and the Army Research Institute of Environmental Medicine. He goes on to say, 
We have all kinds of adaptations to heat. We sweat more, our sodium levels go down, our heart rate goes down, but we don't appear to adapt as well to cold. So it appears that the reason some of us are okay with cold showers and running in negative 20 degree weather is simply a matter of mindset, not some superhuman genetic mutation. Now, finally, your body does use a significant amount of energy to keep you warm and to humidify the air that you breathe when you exercise in the cold, and this can be reflected in your heart rate or your perceived exertion. Not to mention that cold weather is often accompanied by snow on the ground, which means unstable footing. The amount of effort a runner, for example, may need to exert to run the same route in the winter versus the summer can actually be as much as 10 to 20% higher simply due to the stabilization that needs to occur with every step. You can compare this to the difference between trail running and road running. You will likely see a 20% increase in your heart rate when running at the same speed on a trail as you would when you're running the same speed on the road. Couple this with the other keep warm factors that we've talked about and you will likely get, well, pooped out faster in the cold. So, there you have it. As someone who grew up in what's been referred to as the most northern city in Canada with a population over 500,000, a drippy nose, watering eyes, frosty eyelashes, and puffs of condensation wafting out of your mouth are all points of pride in my world. And I hope I did a decent job here today of bringing you over to my side of the argument and making outdoor workouts despite the frigid weather, more appealing, or at least less intimidating. Get Fit Guy is written, narrated, and produced by me, Brock Armstrong, with some heavy, cold weather lifting and editorial support from Beata Santora. Our icy, sprinting social community manager is Morgan Ratner, and our frozen, solid endurance advertising manager is Marcel Margulis. And of course, our frosty head coach at Macmillan Audio is Kathy Doyle. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving me a voicemail once again at bit.ly slash fitspeakpipe, or leave me a message at Twitter or Facebook, I'm GetFitGuy over both of those, or you can find me at brockarmstrong.com. Now, what are you waiting for? Get out there and show the weather who's boss. Who's boss?